0: Hello, good people. You are listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. My name is Jim Turbert, and I am the host. Episode 45 of Feel Free to Deviate features Yvonne Wetzner, Senior Global Marketing Communication Strategist at Oracle, the gigantic software company. It sounds kind of nerdy, but she's not. I met her long ago when I was a student at Massachusetts College of Art. Her sister and I were friends, and we became friends as well. At that time, she was arty lady about town, organizing film festivals and working for a merchandising company, but shortly after that she founded one of the greatest video stores of all time, the Video Underground. This episode is brimming with pivots and real business experience, and it's super fun. Perhaps most importantly, it's an example of how one person was able to harness the power of their skills to thrive in a variety of industries. So settle into whatever you're doing, maybe get a beverage, and prepare to be dazzled by my conversation with Yvonne Wetzner. Tell me what you do for a living. When people say, oh, hi, what do you, like when you're at the school and, and, uh, and, peop- and you're talking to other parents or you're meeting other parents for the first time and everyone's talking about their jobs, people are going to ask you, what do you do for a living? And you're going to say,
1: I work in marketing. That's usually all I say.
0: (laughs) And you leave it at that? Yes. I like that. I do
1: marketing. It's pretty much all I say. I don't really know how to explain what I do, so I just usually leave it at that. I do marketing.
0: It's interesting that you don't know how to explain what you do because I was only aware of your job through LinkedIn and I have no idea what you do.
1: You know what's hilarious, (laughs) and this is actually a good story, is that during COVID, when I was staying up my parents have a house up in new hampshire and we went up there for like a month during the summer
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and i would be on calls all day long and my mother at one point said to me i never understood what you do and now i listen to you all day long in your meetings and i have even less of an understanding of
2: what you do (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: like oh (laughs) it's good to know i'm an effective communicator
0: (laughs) abstraction well well
1: done Um, So what do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So what do I do? Exactly. I work for um, a team at Oracle that basically provides flexible payment options for customers that helps them secure the IT solutions and services they need to keep their businesses running and successful. That's kind of the, the short answer. But um, the team that I'm part of is called Oracle Financing, though we never, ever, ever say the F word, financing, because okay. nobody likes to talk about financing, right? That's why it's flexible payment options oh. and solutions. <laughs> yeah, so don't ever say the F word. That's our, that's our, our jam. Um, <laughs> my official title is Senior Global Marketing Manager, um, and it was a new role when I was hired about a year and a half ago. And the responsibilities and the kind of role itself have evolved a bit since I as I've kind of like felt my way through and got acclimated in the organization and kind of understood how everything works and and where you know I could kind of lend my skill set but specifically my role is to kind of create what they call a go-to-market positioning and messaging for our sales areas for where our sales teams have identified are the priorities of of what what deals we need to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of means being that link between sales teams and regional marketing teams, and even sometimes like the operations teams, and from all of that kind of like synthesizing of communication, building these end-to-end campaigns um, that include assets and sales enablement materials and demand generation processes. Any questions on that so far, Oh, no,
0: it's all completely clear. I I have a (laughs) a crystal clear view of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Honestly, I think listeners' eyes probably glazed over at that point, but that's not the like the, oh, you do a lot of stuff marketing, no, not the F word, other stuff, and uh, no F words. Yeah, it's not particularly sexy, but like from an outsider's point of view, for, or from my point of I view, mean, but
1: I know, but I love it because I love to like solve problems and I love the freedom I have to kind of like think about new perspectives and like new ways to approach problem solving like every day. And the thing I like best is is understanding all that stuff and then figuring out how to best communicate our value proposition to the specific audiences in a simple and straightforward way. Now, having said all that, I'll bring it back (laughs) to the video store because in a lot of ways it's really similar. And this is like your (laughs) how do you go from video store to tech? You know when i started that store uh before i even opened i was focused on defining my specific audience yeah the jp community the the greater boston community what were the pain points there were there was not a venue or a channel for them to watch and share independent film in a way that i felt like people wanted and then how to solve that (laughs) Open a video store get all the details of that and then how to communicate that solution to them most effectively and how on what channel right like Mm -hmm. this was before social media so there was no like you know facebook or instagram posts but it was like how do i how do i then once i have this amazing solution how do i figure out how to tell the tell that audience that i've defined what's happening what we're doing and why they why it would be awesome for them to come shop. Right. So I feel like, you know, if you break it down like that, it's pretty it is in my brain at least, in my crazy brain, similar, right? Because it's, oh, it's totally
0: similar. It's software, just analog. Right?
1: Exactly. So like for me, I'm like defining our audience like which, you know, sales teams at Oracle are we looking to influence and then what's what are their p- pain points or what are their p- customers pain points like maybe it's the economy maybe it's a specific industry pain point maybe it's a competitive pain point and then where do we add value my team in helping them close that deal and then once i have all that information how do i tell them that in a convincing way that makes them want to pick up the phone and call call us
0: i didn't know that you were working in IT or anything like that until I saw that you were working for Oracle. And then I was just like, how, how did that happen? Because my whole understanding of you is whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, you're you're always kind of art adjacent or something. And Oracle is not really art. I mean, I'm sure that someone could could make a case for them being art adjacent, but I, I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I could make that case that Oracle is <laughs> art adjacent. It's true. For a long time I was worked in art adjacent. Like when I had the video store, that mm-hmm. was ten years of my life where and there was time before that when I was running film series and film festivals around exactly. you know the Boston area for a good like seven years previous. I guess I can like back up and tell the story. I sometimes tell the story, my career story backwards and sometimes I tell it forwards. And I got a lot of experience telling my career story <laughs> when I was interviewing for jobs that have now become my, my current role at Oracle. Um so I was really good at telling it. You know, before I had the video store, I actually I don't know if you know this, but I was a teacher and a family case manager. I so I went that. to school and studied sociology and elementary education and in my early twenties worked in Education as a preschool and kindergarten teacher and then went into family case management and was a case manager for a family shelter in Waltham, Massachusetts And advocated for my clients to get employment and housing opportunities Nice, just kind of help everybody like organize their lives, which is kind of ridiculous when you're 23 trying to tell people how
0: to yeah. organize their
1: Lives, but that wasn't a very long career <laughs> And then like my career became like a series of kind of like happy accidents, I guess. Um, a friend of mine in co- in college, I think she wasn't even a friend of mine. It was like a friend of a friend in college who happened to be living in Boston, had been working for this startup in, in Fort Point, And she had the opportunity to go away, to go abroad for a year with her boyfriend at the time, who's job was having you know hosting a i think in belgium or something mm-hmm. and so she needed basically she was somehow she was looking for like a like a one-year like camp to fill her role like okay. her boss was like you can go but you need to find someone to take your place so through a friend of a friend i was connected with her we met seemed cool her job seemed all right and i was like all right like i'll try this and it was working for a startup in the i guess late 90s in boston it was a promotional merchandising company right that's that, the one that
0: i remember right
1: yes that focused on like the music industry yeah. and entertainment industry it was like and hip-hop we artists super... and indie
0: bands and stuff
1: exactly and we made like t-shirts and like yeah. glitter sunscreen and like tattoos yeah, and like was cool. all these like ridiculous <laughs> right we thought we were super cool we did all the merch for like newberry comics back in the day uh-huh. it was a cool job and so but what was really cool about that job was it gave me the opportunity to like explore different areas so i started taking a lot of graphic design classes and moving more into the design front of that and having the opportunity to do that And because it was a small startup i think we started with like it was like five of us including my boss it, and then it grew to probably around 15 or 20 people mm-hmm. But it was really a great opportunity to kind of like play around and experiment and try new things and be curious and also to see how a business worked and how a business was run and the, you know, considerations you had to have if you were going to to manage a business. Right. So when that company closed down around 2001, I took the opportunity and the unemployment benefits I was getting and said, okay, I've been running this film series for like the last six years and I'm going to I see a market opportunity in boston to build a video store that focuses on it's you know it's go-to-market is really focused on independent film and not a blockbuster model which was all there was at the time yeah and went went for it and i used all the experience i had from my previous employment at at the merch company to do that um and it was cool like my old boss who's now like a serial billionaire entrepreneur was very helpful and gave me a lot of advice and i think probably like reviewed my business plan and
0: that's nice but that's
1: that's how i had the video store i
0: I remember you mentioned before the the house in new hampshire mm
1: -hmm.
0: in 2001 when i or was it no it was 2000 2001 i don't remember it must have been 2000 i was at that house shortly after i came back the first time i went to the netherlands I was on exchange and then I came back and it might have even been the first night I was back. Your sister and Mandy picked me up at the airport and we went to we went to a, a rock show in in dartmouth new hampshire and afterward like with a bunch of people and after after the show we all just went to to your new hampshire house your family's new hampshire house Mm. and there were there was like a room full of video cassettes
1: oh right in the basement because (laughs) and i've driven my kids past that store because so before i even had the store i joined this thing called the vsda which was like the video software dealers association Uh it was basically like a professional group for video store owners i don't even know how one finds this stuff because there was barely internet at the time Do you know what i mean (laughs) um
0: google just came out
1: (laughs) seriously like no it was like alta vista like it wasn't even (laughs) probably google was just coming out um and so i started going to these like conferences for video store owners before i had the video store to yeah. like network and ask people questions and learn about how you have, how video stores work and what you do and like how it works operationally and what people's strategies were and first of all everyone thought it was insane they're like who is this girl
0: well that's what i thought when i saw the room full of video cassettes i was just yeah. like what the hell <laughs> right.
1: what and is so she doing one of those i like met somebody that had a had a gas station video store in white river junction vermont uh-huh. it was like at a. it was like a video like a small video store that was like at like a ga- gas station rest stop in white river junction vermont and she was going out of business and she was like come up i'll give you like first dibs mm-hmm. and you can buy all the videos you want from me to start your inventory and I was like, okay, and, you know, <laughs> for like a dollar each or whatever. I'm like, yeah. all right, great. So I went up one, I drove up by myself and I spent like the whole day just pulling out the inventory that I wanted from her inventory and these huge piles. And then I had to, my friend, um, Josh owned this moving company in JP and I hired him and his moving truck and we went back to Vermont and piled all the videotapes in his moving truck and then moved them to New Hampshire hmm. where they sat in storage for like probably a year until I got my actual store space mm-hmm. and had a place to put them. Right, And that was, and a lot of those videotapes were, you know, stayed in my store the whole time I owned it. It was crazy. I mean, we sold a bunch of them as, as video became less of a thing, but yeah. yeah, that was the starting inventory of my store.
0: Yeah, it's Hilarious. awesome. <laughs> Mm. But I remember thinking specifically, <laughs> like, this is crazy. What is she doing? And then, like, the store opened and it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Like, why, is she, <laughs> why does she have a bunch of videotapes in this store? This is weird.
0: <laughs> so I guess it worked out. I guess you knew something that I didn't.
1: Yeah. But I mean, going, like, everybody at that VSDA, those, because we used to have, like, annual meetings or buying, I don't know. I, people all thought it was crazy because, I, first of all, it was almost all men, middle-aged men right right these video stores and here i was a woman and i was young and then i was coming in and saying that i wanted to build a business off of not new releases basically yeah like everything but new releases and they thought i was crazy because all of these people were trying to keep up with blockbuster yeah and they couldn't keep up with blockbuster so they no. were opening up like tanning salons in the back of their store <laughs> or like some other supplementary business That's
0: one way to, to do try it. to
1: Yeah, to keep up. It was a very weird trend, but it was definitely a trend. Tanning tanning salons and video stores. And here I was saying, like, no, I don't want to do anything like Blockbuster. I want to build the opposite of that. And they were like, yeah, 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 that's cute. Good luck with that. (laughs) Right. And then, like, I became the last one standing. I know. Which is crazy. I mean, the other thing that I actually found really interesting, especially looking back, besides just wanting to build a business model off of independent film, was this idea, it's called co-mingling of inventory. So we were talking about 2,000 videotapes I took from this woman's store in Vermont. But then, you know, as we were, that was kind of like the big that was the foundation for the inventory. And then I went through all the, you know, movie houses, all the catalogs, and kind of like cherry picked all of the, you know, important films that I wanted to represent in the store. Mm-hmm. And that was like another, you know, thousand movies. But then we needed to have DVDs also, right? Yeah. Because we knew that, I think I opened in two thousand two. Like in J- JP, the neighborhood the store was in, Jamaica Plain was a slower to adopt new technology neighborhood than some communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Netflix like hadn't really impacted it at all. Which was like you know mailing the the DVDs in the red envelope a lot. Like most of our customers and most of the population didn't have DVD players yet. But I knew that I couldn't invest too much money and videotapes because at some point those were going to become obsolete yeah so i filled in the inventory with dvds but because i had such a a thin inventory to start with it didn't make sense for me to have a separate dvd section from the vhs which is what most stores were doing at the time they had like a vhs side of the store and a dvd side of the store Mm -hmm. but because i was kind of layering both inventories on top of each other to come up with like one full inventory i couldn't do that so i just kind of like had to put the dvds and the videos together and that was called combingling, and that was very 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 unusual oh but it was the way that we pushed people and encouraged people to buy a dvd player right because That's- you're looking in the inventory and you own you know your a b c d or whatever you're looking for and you only see it in dvd right you have to go buy a dvd player <laughs> so that's my exciting inventory
0: story <laughs> it's pretty i don't it's it's a, 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 the interesting thing about i mean starting the business is 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 interesting and in, and in the 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 tumultuous times of the demise of the the vhs tape and and the video store industry in general is is interesting but the fact that there's a name for the right. commingling videotapes Co-mingling and these together, I, I yeah, it just it just goes to show that there's a lot more that goes into pretty much everything <laughs> than you really ever <laughs> think about. What anyone who walked into the store never, th- I'm sure that nobody who walked into the store except for maybe another store owner thought, oh, she's commingling.
1: Well, that's and that's how I knew that it was totally weird, right? Because <laughs> other store owners would be like, "What are you doing? Like, I don't know. I just I don't have enough." inventory i'm putting everything together like it would be weird if i had like the tiniest dvd shelf right like
0: we have four dvds
1: right like i'm just putting everything together um yeah but that's how i knew that it was weird and so that was another reason why they thought it was crazy okay. um because they're like you just don't do that um and and so like but through that that professional network i did meet a couple ama- several really amazing inspirational video star owners and film aficionados all over the country particularly to in the New England area yeah. who were like who were my my complete mentors and amazing and then <sighs> That's cool. just really awesome to connect with people all over the country that were doing similar things and and share ideas and share what was working and what wasn't. And, right. You know again this was before social media Facebook didn't come out for like years, Mm -hmm. I think at this point, or at least I wasn't aware of it. So this was, this was, um, you know, very organic communication, of like calling people or seeing them in person. No. And I remember when we first, when we first started a Facebook page, I actually was on a a panel at one of these conferences in Las Vegas, trying to explain social media marketing Uh to a bunch of like old white guys who own video (laughs) stores and tanning salons. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, I don't know what I said, but I remember sitting up there and trying to explain social media marketing to them. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure that was well received. I'm sure they all sure had good was. good feedback yeah. for you.
1: I think by the time that happened, they were all like, oh, shit, like you were onto something. And,
0: we should have listened to the young person. <laughs>
1: right. Like you're the only one that's growing. I think at that point, like I had already like closed down the first door and moved into a space three times as big. Right. Right. You know, revenue was growing every year. And uh-huh. These guys were all going out of business. So I think by that point, they were listening to me.
0: Right. <laughs> They're like, this is the only video store. People were coming from outside of JP to go there. It was like a destination.
1: Oh, completely. It was awesome. Yeah. And what's hilarious is actually one of my co-workers at Oracle, our art director, he's like my age. He used to come in my store. Nice. Like, like when I was interviewing, he's like, oh, I know Yvonne. you <laughs> Yeah, Um, (laughs) And what's also really cool, actually, and like one of the reasons, so I, you know, before I started working at Oracle, I thought like, oh, it's like a huge global software company. It's going to be super conservative and like stuffy. And
0: yeah, that's kind of what I I, think, too.
1: Right. It's totally like it's not. I think the culture in general of Oracle has changed a lot. Everyone I meet is so smart and so engaging and like supportive and funny and wonderful and creative. Oh, nice. it's a very very like curious place where people just you know ask a lot of questions and and get to i don't know do cool stuff but one of the things about my team that i love is is like i said when i was interviewing for jobs and i interviewed for a long time when i was ready to make a change and i'll go back to to my weird career path but um <laughs> but most places it, it was, like, a challenge to explain how did I go from, like, owning a video store to working in wine and spirits right, to that's, working <laughs> in technology. Right. <laughs> and I was, like, I had to really explain, like, how they were all connected and, like, how the skills, you know, what skills I gained and why I was qualified for mm-hmm. this role that I was applying for. When I met my boss, my now boss, like, and his boss, like, all they wanted to talk, they were, like, what? Like, like, let's start here. Like, talk about, like, how you used to have a video store. And like how like they they got it. They were like they were like, you are so qualified to do marketing because you did it all. I'm like, exactly. You know, like I they're like if you ran a business for ten years, you like that's a wonderful benefit. For us to have as you know for you to be part of our team
0: more you Which successfully ran a business during the decline of the industry
1: exactly <laughs> and like and they were like the first ones that like i didn't have to defend it that they were kind of like no this is why we want to talk to yeah you, basically and i was like oh okay
2: <laughs> awesome <laughs> they're
1: like this it's is nice why to be recognized <laughs> exactly like not like i'm trying because i felt like with so many jobs i was always trying to like explain myself and, yeah and this team they were like no no no. this is why we want to talk to you because we think that this is really valuable and that was nice to
0: hear that is really great
1: yeah um yeah so the video store was great um it was a wonderful experience i learned a lot um blah 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 and when i had my first child was when it's you know Ace was born in 2009, and 2008 was the big recession. So we have been growing, growing, growing. And then the recession happened. And then streaming started to really catch up with us quickly. So like people that were coming in, you know, like three times a week to rent, we're only coming in once a week to rent. Yeah. And it was, it was sustainable, but it wasn't scaling at the same growth rate. Mm-hmm. And I had a child and I kind of had to think about like, what's next and what's my 10 year plan and my 20 year plan. And, um, decided I would rather go out like, <laughs> you know, on a good, on a good note, sure. than than like run it into the ground. And so I was actually going to s- just close. And then, One of my employees and some of his friends wanted to buy it from me. And to be honest, I sold it like pretty dirt cheap just to like, you know, make a clean break. And it was way easier than liquidating all of my inventory.
0: Well, that's good for them Um, too. I mean, they realized what was going on with the industry, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And then they actually sold it to somebody else. Really? This guy, Kevin, and it is still around. He has moved it to a different neighborhood in JP. Oh, to eggleston square it is still around it is the last video store in boston
0: no way is
1: crazy that yep. is crazy <laughs> it's crazy and i actually reached out to him um in the last year and i was like i don't i'm like i don't know if you know me like i started this store and just wanted to let you know it's 20 years old which is bananas to me it really is um and actually ace my child went to go Visit it with a photo class this summer, nice, and so I've never even been into the to his store, and I guess it's like it's like like you know a cafe and bakery and video store and they have a screening room it's, it's multiple businesses happening there, but yeah, so I think he's adapted, adapted rather to the changes, last one standing for real,
0: yeah, yeah, that's it's amazing, been,
1: yeah, twenty years. I'm like, how is there still a video store? <laughs> i't <don't> understand. <laughs>
0: I, I don't understand it either. I there was one here for a while, but yeah, it's gone. Um
1: it, Yeah, I'm not that good a person. I'm too lazy at this point. Like maybe if it was like literally on my block, but you can do so much with your remote control. You
0: things. really can. It's a crazy world we live in.
1: Yeah. So when I sold the store, I had always been really interested in working in restaurants and I really wanted to like maybe go to culinary school or something like that, but I had this little kid, and was like this. You know, working in restaurants is probably not a great idea with my life as it was. So I thought, hey, I'm going to go take some wine and spirits classes and see if I can get into the wine and spirits industry and like kind of work res- restaurant adjacent. Yeah, that way. So I did a couple certifications. I ended up getting an advanced certification in wine and spirits. And actually in that class was connected with somebody whose family owned one of the uh, major distributors in Massachusetts or in the New England area. So ended up working in Wine and Spirits for about four years. Right. I remember um, that
0: thinking, well, how did this happen?
1: Yeah, that's how that happened. That happened is me working my ass off to do these certifications, which were really intense. Like I couldn't do them now. And the thing that's crazy about wine particularly is it's like just such a constant learning path and you can just always learn so much more but like the advanced one was hard like i definitely you know part of the exam was written and part of it was blind tastings and you had to do several blind tastings and you had to nail them and just picture like somebody pouring you a glass of white or red wine and you have to not only say like what varietals they are but what region it's from what country it's from like do tasting notes and like nail it and i can't believe i was able to do that but i did it which is insane to me because I couldn't do that now.
0: It is. I think it's insane too. But yeah.
1: and really nerve wracking. Oh my gosh. I I was so scared for that exam. But it was cool. And so I ended up working for a company called MS Walker and kind of fell into more brand development and, and product marketing there. So it was a really interesting opportunity to build wine and spirit brands kind of from the... Composition up, I guess, pr- production to market. And it was really cool. Then I had a second kid and wanted to, what's the word? I wanted to have a job that allowed me a little bit more work life flexibility. Okay. That's, that's a thing.
0: That is a thing. It's very popular. Yeah, that is
1: a thing. Yes, exactly. So, again, funny coincidence, like kind of back to like the promo merch days. Actually, it's really connected. So, my boss, From 360 Merch. Should I say his name?
0: If you don't think he'd mind, it's fine. I don't think he'd mind. (laughs) All right, cool. Dave
1: Falter. Dave Falter went went on to basically like create influencer marketing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone had to do it. After the
1: merch company closed and I went to open a little video store. Should have gone to work with him, like some of my other co workers <laughs> at this company <clears throat> called Buzz Agent, which was basically the first word of mouth marketing agency, which became influencer marketing, which he then sold to Doug Humby for some insane amount of money. Good for him. And then, yeah, exactly. So, and then went on to found several other very exciting companies. And right now he's working in cryptocurrency.
0: Mixed, yeah. mixed for him, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depending on I, how much yeah, of his money is in that. But...
1: I don't understand. So, his ex wife, was working for this company called Aspera, this software company, this German software company. And I think on Facebook or something, Beth had written something like, is anybody interested in this job, like my job, because I'm leaving. And my job is, you know, working in marketing and doing social media marketing and producing campaigns. And I was kind of like, oh, and writing, I think writing was mentioned. And I, like I kind of said, at the beginning, I'm I think I am a really strong writer. I've always been a strong writer. I've really liked writing. And to have a job where writing is a a big piece of my work was pretty exciting. Nice. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But it's software. Yeah. It's a German software company. How do you write about German
0: software? Right.
1: Like, I don't know anything (laughs) about that. I went for the interview And met my friend, Nicole, who was my boss, and my other friend, Nadine, and my other friend, Debbie, on speakerphone, because she was out in the Bay Area, and went into this interview being like, I'm not really interested, but whatever, you know, Beth is awesome, and I'll just come check this out. And, like, left being like, oh, these ladies are all kick-ass and amazing, like, this could be fun. Yeah. You know, like, went through the interview process and had to do, like, sample writing and all the things, and then I got hired. And I remember saying to Nicole when she offered me the job, I was like, I guess. I was like, but I just, I don't really see how this is going to propel me in my career path. Like, I don't really know how working in marketing for a spare is going to help. And she's like, well, it is the tech industry.
2: <laughs> I was <laughs> You've like, heard of oh, it.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's like, There's, well, it is high tech. I'm like, I guess. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. Like, whatever. She's like, and PS, you get to go to Germany with us in two weeks for like our annual kickoff.
0: Hello. And I'm like,
1: great. She's like, do you have a passport? And I'm like, yes. Okay, I'll try this. <laughs> and the other piece was that I got to work from MoMA a couple days a week. And that's the part that was really exciting for me. Because like I said, I was really looking for something that allowed me to, as a full-time working mom, be a little bit more present with my kids and just feel less like I was racing around on a minute-by-minute basis, trying to, like, grab people from after-school and camps and, you know. That's big. My my, my older child was, like, constantly in childcare when they were little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started working for this German software company, and I ended up being there for six and a half years. And it was really cool. I got the opportunity to work with a global team. So I had, you know, coworkers all over Europe, all over the U.S. I got to develop a global social media strategy in three languages for our team and basically like roll that out to the company and then later roll out an employee engagement and advocacy program for the company which is it's like influencer marketing like teaching teaching people how to network and social sell on linkedin i got to create a very successful blog in three languages Well, and got pretty involved in SEO. And that became like one of our driving traffic sources for the website. And then the other piece was I got to learn all about demand generation and how to focus digital campaigns on on lead generation for our different sales teams. So it was really cool. And I got to be mentored by... My friend debbie who's an amazing technical writer and really taught me about how to approach these like very highly technical content subjects in a way that was like using simple words and simple language and making things approachable and engaging and understandable for your audiences and really like just taught me the foundations of product marketing it was awesome and i learned so much and i again like you i never thought that i would work in technology right but it was really fun and it was really it's been it was really great to have a job where i got to write so much and work with people all over the world, particularly my kick-ass team of ladies was amazing and really inspirational and supportive. And I think we all learned from each other so much and just learned about how to be a freaking solid team of marketing leaders. It was great. Then that company was owned by a parent company and the parent company rolled up all its subsidiaries like into one giant company. Uh, the culture changed, the leadership became pretty inept the workplace became really, really toxic from like the leadership level. And so that's when I started looking for work, maybe at the beginning of the pandemic, I think in like 2020. Yeah. And it was a long road to get to Oracle. Like it was really humbling and hard. I don't think I've ever faced so much rejection in my entire adult life of (laughs) either like not making it very far in interview process or making it to like the final three and then like, like continuously like, getting rejected at the final three yeah. that happened several times and i don't know when the last time you've applied for jobs are and i don't know what <sighs> if it's different in the states but
2: uh.
1: um now like in like i had to like create like research projects and presentations and present to like executive boards like all like it was like month-long processes and put so much time and effort and work into things i'm like this is it was crazy and i think Definitely, I did at least three different, no, four different like huge projects for these these applications
0: and that is these presentations.
1: Insane. It's insane. My parents were mad. They were like, "They're getting free work yeah, out of exactly." Like, this is and, and I'm
0: sure that that happens here. I've been I've actually been out of work for a while, so I've applied for a lot of things. But cl- clearly, I'm not applying for the same jobs that you are.
1: But you know the rejection. Yeah, it's the <laughs> worst,
0: especially when you go in thinking I'm a no brainer. Of course, they're going to hire me, and then you're like, oh no. And then the next one doesn't. And then the next one doesn't. And you're just yeah. like, what's going on? This is crazy.
1: I really think like so much of it. And like I I was, I was interviewing for almost a year, maybe a year that really when it clicked was like when I kind of like pivoted how I presented myself and, and like played the game a little bit differently. And I think that that made a big difference. And I was lucky to have like in all that rejection, a couple really smart, young HR people, like, you know, the people that were doing the hiring, the talent recruiters like for these companies, and a couple of them, though young, like gave me some really hard to hear, but like good advice yeah. that helped me improve how I interviewed, how I presented myself, how I talked about myself. And like that feedback, though, hard to hear, I think was really, really critical in me figuring out kind of like how to sell it myself.
0: What, just give me, thing, give me one thing. Give me one thing.
1: I mean, one was like, ironically, like about being like a clear communicator verbally, which I, again, I I started out by saying like, I'm not like, I'm much better at writing things, but like getting to the point really fast and which is all stuff I do in my writing. Yeah. Basically, like when I would interview, I would have one monitor where I had like all, like basically like a script written out for myself that I refined and refined and refined. So when someone would say like, tell me about yourself, I would be able to like, boom, 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 like just hit all, hit all the high points. Right. Yeah. And Would And had interviewed enough to anticipate like the type of questions they would ask me, like, tell me about your go to market approach or like, tell me about a time when blah, blah, blah happened or whatever. And I had kind of stories. And I think that was another thing is having stories, right? As your answers is really good. Right. It's storytelling. You're storytelling about yourself.
0: Having it all cached up.
1: And then make the more that you can prepare and have those stories ready to go and know how to fit like what story into what question to make the answer engaging. Yep. I don't know. It's hard. One thing that the pandemic taught me is that I am such an introvert and it's so hard for me to like push myself to be outgoing. And I think, you know, when I had my own business, I had, I just pushed myself all the time to just pretend to be a different person than I am. Uh, It's exhausting. And it's exhausting and interviewing was exhausting. I just have to be like psyched all the time and like, you know, engaging and funny and yeah. But yeah, interviewing sucks.
0: It's yeah, it's definitely the worst. But it's better than getting, just getting straight up, getting a rejection letter immediately.
1: Or just not getting anything. Or it's not getting get,
0: anything. I guess that's the worst.
1: It definitely happens. <laughs> but it's funny. So like my, I started interviewing for Oracle and I applied like on, I think I had just gotten like to like the end of another situation and been rejected. And I was super just down. And I just like fired off a bunch of resumes. And one of them was for this job at Oracle. That was like in August. And I think I maybe interviewed with my now boss at the be- at the end of August, beginning of September, I wasn't hired till November. So it was like a four month process. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I thought I was getting another job and I really wasn't even that interested. So maybe it's, I think I actually, my biggest advice is that, I found looking for a job a lot like dating. And my friend, Debbie, who was like my mentor in product marketing, is a pro at dating. She's so good at it. Okay. And I was always horrible at dating because yeah. I was always just like, be too honest and like be too needy <laughs> and be too desperate. But Debbie like knows how to play the game. Okay. And that's what I found that date that interviewing was like, it was like, if you were too interested, they weren't interested. But if you were kind of like, eh, take it or leave it, but I'm pretty awesome like they were interested
0: well and that I would explain that. why my, why my job searches go so bad because i got married when i was 25
1: exactly and exactly it, you just need to get yourself back out there on like hinge or
0: something <laughs> i uh yeah anyway it's uh, I, i'm i'm trying to do i'm i'm not excited about it but i'm uh trying to pick up a couple freelance jobs here and there just because but it's uh it's going uh it's going slowly but you got your you got your thing and that's good.
1: Yeah. But what was funny is right before I got hired when they were still like like one interview, another interview, I'm like, Do I have to do a project? <laughs> and he's like, Should you do a project? I was like, No, I don't want to do any more projects. Good. <laughs> so I actually ironically did not have to do any projects for the role that I ended up getting. Excellent.
0: <laughs> Project free employment.
1: Exactly. And just like dating, it all works out because I'm real grateful that I didn't get any of those other jobs that I thought I wanted and I thought were the ones for me because really I'm super stoked to be where I am. And I'm hoping that was the last time I have to interview ever in my life. And this is going to be something that has longevity and growth opportunities. And
0: it so- I mean, it sounds like it would be. It's a freaking ginormous company. And. I, mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere they're like nope. the first database company right
1: yes like yeah. lit-
0: like that's kind of the first right
1: <laughs> yeah they're the first database company and they are our cloud game is was kind of like last to market but it is kicking butt yeah and that's a lot of word i work on is oci the oracle cloud infrastructure it's really i don't know it's weird it's weird that i work in tech I also really enjoy writing about things that I don't understand. I find that,
0: like, (laughs) a hilarious... It's a challenge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the company I worked for, the German company, the software we created was Software Asset Management, which you're like, what the hell is that? Exactly. It is software that we sell to companies to help them manage all the software they own. (laughs) It's like a friggin'... Racket. Yeah, (laughs) for real. (laughs) Writing about like like how that software license management software works was really complicated, and I still to this day don't really understand how it worked. But I could write about it. Right. You knew the keywords. I was like, I actually like don't want you to tell me how it actually works. (laughs) I I much more enjoy successfully writing about this stuff. Like I said, I started a blog and like wrote all these articles about you know different facets of software license management and different software vendors and
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i was just thinking um that uh because you're a movie person you should have with your coworkers. i don't know if you ever saw this movie but it's, it's a documentary about silicon valley in the 80s or the 70s and 80s called triumph Ooh. of the nerds have you ever seen it
1: no but i'm gonna write it down oh
0: my god you gotta see it and you have to you have to watch it with with people from oracle because okay one of the highlights of this film there are lots of great things in it but one of the highlights of this film is larry ellison founder of oracle <laughs> oh i know who
1: he is <laughs>
0: <laughs> in a hot tub <laughs> like i don't know in the rockies or something in some mountains just talking about silicon valley it's, it's it is awesome. It's such a good, I'm totally it's such a good watch movie. This.
1: I don't know this, but I'm going to watch it. And you're right; I think a lot of my um, team would love it. Oh yeah, look it. There's Larry.
0: <laughs> Triumph um, of the Nerds. It's a it's a really really great documentary. Oh, also, I'm they show like some I be, early.
1: I bet my boss has seen it. Did oh, he, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure.
1: He uh, he's like super into like music and film, and he he also came. Him and his boss came from Sun Microsystems, which Oracle acquired yeah. back a while ago and they're all so they're all like been in tech forever
0: yeah um, old school old oh, school very dudes. cool
1: oh it's a pbs
0: dude it is so it's so good a, it was
1: a pbs produced thing all right cool they show all PBS. these
0: crazy old like microsoft ads and stuff and like or anti-microsoft ads from from apple oh, or whatever. it's like uh,
1: totally gonna watch yeah this, it's like, really cool even tonight oh thank you
0: you can dry and combine the wine and spirits with the films and with the Oracle and get it all together and have a movie night with your employer and your your, yes. your colleagues.
1: That sounds amazing. I think
0: it would be good. I mean, I would love to go. My,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. We'll, we'll Zoom you in. <laughs> all right, good. My, um, <laughs> I'm so excited to watch this.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, you got to. But you also have to tell me the inevitable question that I already mentioned to you. Do you feel successful, what do Yvonne? I do? Oh, <laughs> oh no, that was the other. We already dealt with that one. Do you feel successful?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, I think what I feel successful in is that as I'm as I've grown up, I kind of continuously develop my skill set and feel more comfortable and confident in my abilities. I think I and lots of people are always gonna feel like they're faking it through sure i felt like that when i had my store you know but i think like everybody feels like that everybody does you know everybody except when i actually had lunch with my boss last week we were talking about someone i think someone's sister-in-law is like a federal judge or something
0: yeah Yeah, no (laughs) there are a lot of middle-aged dudes there are a lot of middle-aged dudes who believe that they aren't faking it and they do know everything but it's just not the case
1: right she was a woman but like anyways my boss said he's like well, that's a grown-up job. And I was like, it is. Like, exactly. you can't fake that if you're a federal judge. Like, can you imagine me? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but like, here is my decision. Like, I feel like you know, I work in marketing. Like, yeah, but it, you're like never... senior
0: marketer, blah blah blah. Like, that's but, that's an adult job.
1: There's, there's never, there's never like, it's not life or death. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's never anything like, even when like emergencies come up at work and fire drills, like. It's just like it's only marketing. Like we yeah. always used to say that at my old like like it's only marketing guys. Like it's just, you know.
0: Right, but you could say that about anything <laughs> though. I'm just like, yeah. I guess, still. but not if
1: you're like a doctor or like Yeah death right. row lawyer i mean like i don't know like it's not i think it's just it's you know it's important and it's money and these are like big companies yeah yeah, yeah yes i work my ass off but yes. like but yes so you gotta i put it in perspective like of course
0: it. I, I, I hear i right. i but it's still an yeah. adult job like all the things you're it talking a, about i
1: guess there are a lot of acronyms
0: like, to learn and there are a lot of-
1: so many acronyms <laughs> oh it's a joke like it was like is there an acronym for that like every company like i'm like i don't understand we were trying to name some tool the other day
0: oh boy (laughs) And my
1: coworker was like, well, like it could be this or it could be that. And everything was like pricing tool today, like TPT, (laughs) like, that's not what it was, but you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm like. I just have a question. I was like, don't take this the wrong way. I'm like, do we have to name it
0: <laughs> so it can be
1: an acronym? I'm like, can we just call it like the pricing tool? <laughs> like, like does it have to also equate
0: Revolutionary. to
1: Revolutionary. <laughs> or like, does it have to be like a fancy name? Because I can tell you that no one that uses it is going to refer to it by that fancy name. I think often marketers particularly like get way too into like the creative and like, yes, marketing is a creative field, but like there's certain times where it's like, you can give a fancy name but only you're going to be calling it that fancy name like yeah. people that are using it just want it for what it is right sure. and so i think that's that's always something to keep in mind but yeah do i feel successful i do i guess and that you know i can support my family yeah pretty much and that's good i like what i do and i get like i said like have you know over the years learned how to make the things that i never even thought about when i was you know in my 20s like writing as something that would be a career figuring out how to how to use the things I like to do and the skills that I have to to do work. But I think the most important thing, like honestly, and I know it sounds dumb, but like I don't think I would still be in tech if I didn't work with such awesome people when I first started at Aspera. Yeah. It's like who you work with that makes it cool and interesting and gives you opportunities to like learn and be creative and be curious and all that stuff. If you work with toxic people and <laughs> nothing's going to be successful. So right. I think it's really all about the people. I think I could work in any industry and... As long as I work with cool
0: people, yeah, it sounds good. That sounds good. Well, i I think that I think of you as successful for for you know for those reasons. Like obviously, those are you know supporting the family and stuff. That's super important. You know, maybe more important than all the other stuff. But just the adaptability that you've 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 sort of outlined through this whole thing, and the ability to know when it's time to pivot. But also, it's also like uh, like a delegation thing. Like you, you know, you just kind of seem you always struck me as someone who had who just had it together you like you have thing, you have it together and i'm you know thinking about me being an art school guy hanging out with your sister who's an art school girl and and, and you're like you were like the one who had it all together like you just like had it figured out and you seemed confident in the things that you're doing and maybe you weren't 100 confident in it but you seemed like it and you know like if you couldn't do something you'd ask someone to do it for you or help you with it or show you how you seem to like just get things done and i i think that that's a good quality and a good trait and uh, it seems to have served you well
1: thanks (laughs) yeah i think i was that's very nice i think that um i definitely didn't know what i was doing but i was good at faking it um i i am a big fan of asking questions yeah um and asking for help where you need it and i think my own anxiety makes me get things done because if i don't get things done i'm so stressed like things like am um, i always describe myself as a what did i used to say like a like a slacker overachiever like i'm super lazy
0: <laughs> that's <is> awesome
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like i also like get so anxious if, like if, if i'm procrastinating things yeah. too much even though i like you know you, if you really fear the deadline now, you'd be like right exactly <laughs> like i'm not really good at like keeping things like super organized or clean but like yeah like if like something hasn't been done like if i haven't checked off everything on my mental lists that i constantly forget because i'm old (laughs) um and i am too lazy to write it down that stresses me out and so getting things done is a way for me to i don't know combat my own anxiety my own natural like (laughs) medium to high level anxiety that surges through me all the time yeah and my partner finds it annoying he's like can't stand that i can't like sit still and he's like you always have to do something like yeah. whereas like I'm like i think a lot of people actually think that's a good skill that i have
0: but, yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah. i mean it's also nice to hang just chill out for a while but you know
1: <laughs> yeah exactly i've always but i think that's also just like a mom thing like like I, almost it, every yeah. mom i know is like that right like it's right. like you want to just like hang out on the weekends and like read your book but you feel guilty and you're like there's like 17 other things i should be doing right now but it is important, and I think like over the last couple of years, I actually have gotten much better at just recognizing that it's okay to do nothing.
0: It it is okay. Like if I just
1: want to sit down and read a book, and and it's important to model that taking time for yourself behavior for your kids too. I think the hard thing for me is like in one way it's it's because I work at one hundred percent from home now that um it's a great gift to be able to you know a not waste like two plus hours a day commuting back and forth anywhere and be racing around and all that other stuff. But, you know, to be around my kids more and to be more flexible, if somebody's, you know, sick, it's no big deal. They can stay home. There's like childcare, all the things.
0: That's convenient.
1: But it's, it's so convenient. But on the other hand, I'm like always working. I'm always checking an email or writing a message. And because my team is all over the place, like I have a colleague in Singapore and was on the phone with her until 10 o'clock the other night right, was like, right, right. in the morning for her yeah. you know, or 11 in the morning.
0: That's the um, downside.
1: Exactly. Or like my colleagues on the West coast, like when it's six o'clock for me, right. it's only three o'clock for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that like the boundaries between work and family get real messy sure. and it takes some effort to, which I'm not great at always.
0: Yeah. Also, I can imagine that it like the the boundaries blur and then you have no idea how much you're actually working and not working. <laughs> you're just your life is just this mess of making calls and making sandwiches. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I
1: just like I. Yeah, like I just like I feel like the, the difference is, is like I always struggle with being present with my kids and I feel like it makes me it's even harder right because I'm like hold on like you you want dinner but I'm like trying to finish something and yeah okay, hold on one more minute again way better than wasting half my life commuting back and forth oh seven god miles yeah commute Boston. is the worst
0: right it's so nice not to commute I mean my my old job I used to just walk 15 minutes and yeah it was great I feel like I'm supposed to ask you a bunch of other stuff Oh, really? I kind of have the, the, the gist of everything. Okay. Is there something that you need to communicate?
1: Um, I love my cat.
0: Yeah. The
1: well, cat's sitting next to me this whole time.
0: What is the cat's name?
1: Pistachio Rose.
0: Pistachio Rose. Um,
1: it's So we're going away for a few days. Nice. It's almost February vacation here. And we're all such crazy cat people that actually last night Derek and I might have ordered on amazon like a nanny cam but for cats (laughs) so it's a camera but also a two-way audio so we can talk to her through it and it has an app you fill it up with treats and you press a button allegedly on your phone from florida and it'll shoot a treat to her really out of the thing which we think is completely gonna blow her mind
0: (laughs) probably it's
1: coming tomorrow it's a cat cam treat giving
0: well you do work in the tech industry so it makes I sense mean, that she was would the have one that came a... up
1: with this yeah i don't <laughs> i don't even know because we can see her but we're like but she needs to see us like how like how can we figure this out should we get her a phone <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> like, what? Uh, i was like ah the treats will be good enough. <laughs> i know i was like what i'm like, like could we hook it up to the tv so she could like see our faces like yeah. how does this work yeah we're that crazy Can i ask you what have you been doing for work and what kind of jobs are you looking
0: for i used to work for a a company that makes website software making uh support material for them doing all their support work and most of their um, communication and it's still around but everyone got laid off and now it's just that one guy yeah i i lost my job and i thought oh i mean i can do all these things but i'm sort of like this jack of all trades I do this that and the other thing and and I thought that would I, I would have no trouble getting a job but I was I was wrong to be fair I've been very picky but yeah. it's it's getting yeah it's kind of uh, disappointing I feel like most people look at my LinkedIn and they're just like uh yeah I'm good <laughs> and I don't know but you
1: just need to find somebody like that's the thing like that that was the really weird thing when <laughs> I uh when I started like talking to my boss Rich, is that like they were kinda like, No, this is why we want to talk to you. Yeah. We like that you're like a weirdo. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yep,
0: that's I just kind <laughs> of okay. figured like some startup or something would be like, Oh, this is precisely what we need. I feel
1: like I feel like you can figure it out. It's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, one of these days it's gonna it's gonna all fall into place. It's just it's just taking far longer than I expected, and it makes me sad.
1: I feel like that too.
0: But you know, whatever. On that note.
1: All right, boom, go make some eggplant. I'm
0: gonna go make some eggplant and work.
1: All right. Thanks, Jim.
0: Good to talk to you. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. 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 That was Yvonne. It was really cool catching up with her. And I could have talked with her for hours about a number of things. There's so many things I liked about this episode, but for the sake of a tidy conclusion, I will say that the big takeaway is that you need to figure out how to use the skills that you have and the things that you like to do in any field. And you need to be able to illustrate that to a complete stranger in a compelling way. It's not so easily done, I always thought I was kind of doing that, but hearing her talk about it gives me hope that someday soon I might find an employer who will welcome me with open arms. Also, her tips about interviewing and resume structure are great. Getting feedback on your interview and resume techniques from interviewers who declined hiring you is a solid idea, and turning your resume into an engaging story could be a viable option to make you more interesting to potential HR people or other types of people who are in charge of hiring. That said. I've heard from other office managers and HR folks that they only want streamlined simplicity and bullet points. I I guess it all depends on the culture of the company. I think Yvonne should start a side hustle making digital online courses. From what I've heard, it's a great way to make money online these days. Thanks for being on the show, Yvonne. It was great talking to you, and we should do it again sometime. Maybe in Boston, or perhaps Amsterdam if you ever come back this way. And thank you, dear listener. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. As usual, I'd like to remind you how much I appreciate your time. Feel Free to Deviate is provided free of charge to the world, and I would like to make the humble request that you recommend it to a friend and download and listen to all the episodes in your own time, of course. If you feel like going to Apple Podcasts to leave a glowing 5-star review, that would be great as well. I'd really appreciate it. And in case you were wondering, I'm at Feel Free to Deviate on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook if that tickles your fancy, and you can find a website at feelfreetodeviate.com. If you feel the urge to contribute financially, there's a donate page on the website, but you can also go to buymeacoffee.com slash feelfree. That's just feel free, no deviations. It's a quick, easy, and painless way to help offset the cost of running the show while simultaneously keeping me caffeinated, which costs more than you might think. The next episode coming up in two weeks will feature either pop maestro Tom Sturm or architecture power couple Valentina and Julio. Until then, try to enjoy as much as you can and be excellent to each other. Goodbye. Goodbye.